1: Everyone and welcome to episode three three seven of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host Brad Roland. It is Sunday, February the twentieth, and I am joined as often by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Uh, with Juwan Howard basically trying to take <laughs> on the uh, the, oh. the, ba- the bad the Badgers coaching staff this evening, I was I was thinking of you uh, as I often do. Ran right so, out of the gate, uh, that's, uh,
1: that's mean spirited. But thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, tough times, uh, tough times for Michigan basketball today. Let's let's not do that today on the show. But um, that was. Not a lot of fun on Sunday. I'm, I'm sure I won't bring it up again. No, I'm sure you will. It's okay. Um, also, while, we're, while we're, we're talking about things that are kind of uh, not great, um, the Pocota projections came out, and our friend Sean Coleman spent, I believe, most of the Daily Hammer yesterday on blasting the Pocota pro- projections, so I'm not going to do yeah, too he, much on he that. Uh, yeah, he Sean went hard. In. And by the way, that's that's available on our podcast feed, and I, it's a good time to go ahead and plug that show, which is the Daily Hammer, hosted by Sean. Also, there's this podcast called the Road to Atlanta podcast, which I believe you are involved with. Eric. Yeah,
0: yep. Uh, I've, it has existed from time to time. Uh, I did have an episode last week. Uh, there is going to be an episode this week as well. There and, you go. Uh, with uh, spoilers, depending on scheduling, we might be having a special guest, depending if they get back to me quickly. Otherwise, it'll be a regular regular episode, and we'll be doing that special guest at a different date.
1: But well, you know, well, there you, you go. Might, you might you might want to listen to this week. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. If you are new to the podcast, uh, we have three shows. This one that you're listening to now, which usually involves me and uh, basically almost always involves either Eric or Scott Coleman. And then you get into Daily Hammer and Road to Atlanta. We have free, free, free shows, I should say, for the price of $0. And uh, hopefully you enjoy all of them, but please subscribe to the podcast. I, I, just, I guess one thought, I'll let you tee off on Pocoda if you want to. But the funniest thing about the Pocoda projections was not the Braves projection to me, because you know, it is what it is. They hate the Braves. Um, and by they, I mean the, the system, uh, Craig Goldstein does not hate the Braves individually. I promise you, Craig is a good guy. Um, but the funniest part about those projections in my opinion was that the Phillies were projected for 86 and a half wins. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So I, I am pretty famously not a fan of Dakota projections. I think that they've, <laughs> they've, 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 they've his, uh, historically, I think overvalued certain teams and, like, for example, like the Mets projection last year was just laughably bad, right? Like no one should like, I I wouldn't even, I don't necessarily have a problem with like, let's say for example, the Mets being favored last year, but like they were favored, like they were like the second best team behind the Dodgers. And like, I just like, I, and it was a crazy number of wins. Obviously, you know, it's hard to factor in the, you know, the Mets, Metsing things up, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I just, I think that they overvalue some things and they undervalue others. And it's kind of one of those black box type, projection systems that i'm just i'm not a fan of and there's always like two or three projections in pakoda where i'm just like what in god's I, like what how could you plug in what that roster looks like and get that number and <laughs> you know uh it, it's just it's and it's not just the mets or it's not just the braves um but that being said like no one should be like weirded out that the braves are like projected to be third in the division right now they don't have the, the, a first base the, the, and it's it's a pretty important first baseman too, right? Like it's a guy who's a four or five win player and he's not under contract. And the way these projection systems work is that it's only people who are actually on the roster. So if the guys are on free agents, even if you're a hundred percent sold that Freddie Freeman is coming back to be with the Braves, spoilers, you should not be hundred percent sold that he's going to return to the Braves. That's not how, those, how these projection systems work. So, I mean, like all of them are going to look a little wonky for the Braves because right now they do not have a first baseman. They haven't filled outfield spots beyond, you know, I mean, Adam Duvall, Ronald Cooney Jr. Depending on which system you look at, may or may not be getting as many games as others. And then you have like Christian Pache and Adam Duvall; those aren't necessarily, you know, awe-inspiring offensive numbers. So I could see a lot of projection systems like struggling to put them, you know, in first place or with a, a pretty sizable win total. But they sign Freddie Freeman and maybe they they add another outfielder and they add a piece or two here and there, and their projections changed pretty dramatically so i don't think anyone in this particular case with the with the lockout and everything you know they just can't make any moves and so the projection systems are just going off what they have so i yes. don't think anyone should be too
1: i don't think anyone should be too hot and bothered one way or the other even though yeah, I don't that, like yeah that's why i was like you know i, I get the uh the jokes and please go feel, feel free to make fun of the projections that are sometimes wrong um but this one's kind of uh, not really important Okay, with that out of the way, if you want more of that, again, listen to, listen to Sean from... Uh, oh, yeah,
0: Sean went in. Uh, he did,
1: which was entertaining, and that's I recommend that. Okay, um, <laughs> from there, obviously the lockout continues. There was some news on that front this week. The uh, I guess the headliner is the, I guess, the final official note at the moment that was uh, not very well-kept secret, I just say. Spring training is not going to begin until at least March 5th, and that probably seems early, but that's obviously the uh, earliest that they could possibly be. When we last recorded with Scott and I last week, Uh, Manfred had done the dance of not saying that it was going to be delayed, even though everyone in the world knew it was going to be delayed. And they finally did it this week. Um, It was announced. They had a 15-minute negotiating session on Thursday, in which uh, Evan Drellich of the Athletic reported that February 28th is now kind of the drop-dead date on the owner's side. They told the Player Association they had to find an agreement by then to have the season start on time. That's been kind of what we have thought and talked about. Like End of this month, early March would be like the logical time because – You can't just start playing baseball the next day. You have to have some sort of spring training. You have to have some transactions as free agents are still hanging in the wind, but those are the sort of the two headliners, Eric. uh, I guess we can stop now to ask you how you're feeling about this, because I know Scott and I talked about it last week, but um, I'm not feeling great about it, but how are you feeling about this?
0: Um, I don't think that either side benefits from kind of scheduling these day-to-day talks like this like the what's going to be going on this week is supposed they're supposed to be meeting every day. I don't think that going into that and doing that makes much sense unless there's a way to get a deal done if that makes any sense. Um now whether or not they actually get one done that like the, some of the gaps that the, that exist are pretty sizable but I mean, after some initial player movement on some positions, the owners just decided to basically not give offers anymore. They would just basically like buy time. They would ask for a federal mediator, and then they would submit the same offer that they had submitted like three weeks ago. So this week will determine quite a bit if the owners actually start moving on some positions, particularly like that bonus pool that would be divided between pre-R players uh, that perform well if they're if they don't move off ten million dollars for that then th- that's going to be a non-starter. Uh, I think that there's like a, a middle ground that can be found for like you know what the super two status stuff's going to be, uh, but it just seems like the the owner the owner's position is nothing's going to change and we're not going to do it and that's not going to work. The players are going to have to get some concessions from ownership on service time and service time manipulation, and the owners just seem to be the only idea they came up with was give teams an extra draft pick if they bring up a top prospect which is just rewarding teams more it's not it's not right. rewarding it's it's not <laughs> it's not a tangible reward beyond you know a very few select players that would maybe get you know be able to accrue an extra year of service time so i it's almost like they want a concession for that concession and the, the, they ha- there has to be some sort of solution or at least some moves towards a, you know, dealing with service time manipulation. And if they don't have those things on the table, then I'm not sure what we're talking about. And if they're not willing to move again, the, the, it seems like what the owners have done have made a list of things that they're just refusing to do, as opposed to actually put forth real for, like real solutions. And, you know, they're not going to show their books. They're not going to change anything about service time. They're not willing to pay any more than this. And the players are like, if that's your position, then these aren't negotiations uh, and you're not negotiating in good faith, which is absolutely correct. Yeah. So. <laughs> um Basically. yeah so um you know in terms of like like luxury tax thresholds and stuff like that i don't have a hot take as to kind of what the right number is i think that there's just gonna have to be some adjustments upward um you know because right now it's being used as a de facto luxury uh, salary cap with a couple of notable exceptions every once in a while uh and certainly exceeding it beyond a certain percentage just doesn't happen Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the running joke is that the baseball is the only sport that doesn't have a salary cap, but that mean in practice, that's, it's it's not really that true.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, um, there's,
1: there's stuff to get into. I mean, we could, the rabbit holes that are here are plentiful. If we wanted to follow them down, like they didn't really talk about anything else this week that was new. Like none of the threshold stuff, minimum salary stuff, revenue sharing stuff, service time stuff, expanded playoffs. None of that came up in the very, very short meeting on Thursday. Um, there was a report that the players may not give them expanded playoffs unless they get a, whole, a full season, which I don't blame them for. I don't know how serious that is or if that's actually the position, but that was reported this week. And, you know, how I feel about this. I'm very anti-expanded playoffs anyway. Um, but uh, that is a clear chip the players do have in this is that it's been so transparent this whole time that the owners, if they want to change anything, they want to change expanded playoffs. It's very obvious. And the players are just like, Nope, not doing it. Unless they had the full season that might get them to the table. I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but if you're an optimist, if you want to see baseball happening in the next six weeks, that's one way to do it. Perhaps. I don't know how much it'll work, but at least they're trying something. It seems.
0: So, I don't know. This is the impression that I got because there was reporting twos that they basically the they were given the proposal. And the reason the the meeting was so short is that it's like, you know, it's like 100 and whatever pages and that they want to take that back to membership. Yeah. To be able to go through, go over. Right. Like, you know, like hashing it out right then and there wasn't going to make much sense because there's a lot of input that they wanted to get before they did that. And I like I'm not that guy is like, you know. After 15 minutes, they like stormed out of the room. I don't think that's necessarily what happened. Yeah, the, the short both, meeting
1: thing is more. Uh, it's actually not that big of a deal because of what you said, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, but
0: I. It was reported that the two lead negotiators, uh, Bruce Meyer and I forget the league side, they had a 20 minute talk with just the two of them immediately after uh, that that like that that quote unquote 15 minute meeting, and that the word that was described between those two that conversation was candid. And I think what happened was that was Bruce Meyer saying, look, if you think that you're going to get expanded playoffs, if this costs the players games and more specifically game checks, then you've lost your mind. You know, And I, I think that this, I think that the players are pretty united that they're going to have to get some concessions. And look, it's part of the problem is that Tony Clark is pretty famously not great at his job. And the last couple CBAs have gone exceedingly poorly for players. So they're they're going to have to, win some ground back even if they're not going to win all the ground back maybe it's not going to be the ground that you and I want back I'm with you I'm not I'm not big on the expanded playoffs you know the, I don't think Oof. I don't I think the, I don't even think the extra wild card team being in has been a particularly positive development you know those those one game playoff games I'm sure those are everyone feels great about the outcomes coming out of those so you know that's not really what where I would be drawing the line but at the same time I know the owners want it and the players know that the owners want it, and that it's a big deal and a lot of money. So I think that that's the best chip that they have to play right now is that, you know, if you really want this to happen, we're going to have to get a deal done soon, and that means you're going to have to start making some concessions because otherwise it's just not going to happen, period. And that may be the, the type of leverage that the players need to kind of get the owners moving because, quite to be quite frank, the owners haven't moved really much at all.
1: No, and, you know, the, the PA, when baseball announced the spring training delay officially the pa's statement was uh direct let's just say and they said you know there was some wording in that statement that they said that that baseball said that they that they quote unquote must uh suspend spring training and the players were like no you that's not that's not the case we'll we'll show up and play right now basically and the lockout is uh on on the other side which is of course the original uh debate on this whole thing but uh you know we'll leave it there for now we'll see if there's any movement this week it's gonna be a big uh week plus i will i will say you know They've been reporting, like you said earlier, that they're going to start meeting, if not every day, close to it, maybe multiple times in a certain day. And there is urgency picking up now, but at the same time, uh, they got some work to do. That's for sure. I do have one kind of minor league adjacent question for you because you're here and this is uh, what you do. Um, People were asking, I saw some people asking, um, Talking Chop, and also you, and I know you have talked about Road to Atlanta as well, but uh, there's the whole, like, development storyline and, like, how much Miss Spring Training slash – games will impact the young players on 40-man rosters. And I'll let you explain how this works. But basically, the guys on the 40-man are treated as major leaguers, so they cannot have spring training, whereas minor league guys can. And just some notable names here for the Braves, there are young guys, that are still developing. that are on the 40-man, you have Christian Pache, you have Drew Waters, you have Contreras, you have Spencer Strider. There are a couple more uh, who could obviously benefit from some time right now on the field, and they can't do anything. And I want to know what you think about the impact that has on those guys
0: uh the the short answer to your question is it depends entirely on how long this drags out right because you can add kyle Muller to that list as an example you know freddie tarnock is a, a guy who's probably not going to be you know in the major leagues but you want him to at least be getting stretched back out to be the prospect that you want him to be william woods is another guy um so minor league spring training begins March 4th. I've had that confirmed from multiple people that they're being asked to report on March 4th. There are already players down in Florida right now, getting like kind of that extra work in, but March 4th is kind of when my minor league spring training cranks up. So if you are thinking about it from that perspective is that every day from March 4th on that, those players are cannot take the field is a player is a day that they cannot kind of, get all their workouts in, get their bullpens in, get their time in the cage in with coaches, all that stuff. And they can't do that and kind of get in preparation for the season. Now, when you combine that with what could best be described as a really weird 2020 season uh, where some guys just didn't get to play at all, uh, there was a, or a lack of playing time at the alternate side, a completely different situation, that really can, especially if it's a protracted length of time, could impact a lot of these guys. We saw that Pache and Waters didn't look particularly good last year. Uh, William Contreras had moments and he would look better in the minor leagues he did in major leagues, you know, those at bats and that time with coaches and to kind of see where their development is and kind of get their, you know, figure out exactly where they're at. That's important time. Now, if it's just a few days, that's not a big deal, but if it's, you know, something that starts dragging on into the week's, of minor league spring training and then the minor league season starts up the, the one thing that's absolutely true is that the minor league season is going to start right on time and you're going to have all these guys especially at the beginning of the year they're all the they're not going to be able to participate in those team workouts in the same way uh they might have to just get dropped right in at the very end of team workouts or they even if it drags you up even longer than that and this kind of gets into a entirely separate problem of what if it starts impacting like regular season games for the major leagues and starts impacting the actual games in the minor leagues then you have an entire you know basically at least five if not more guys that are in the top 10 Braves prospects that are not going to be able to start the season yep that's not that's just not that's not good I mean and again that's kind of a worst case scenario but it kind of speaks to the the fundamental problem and that's really kind of the only impact on the minor leagues because the minor leagues, the minor leagues are going to keep cooking along. But I, I'll tell you this: uh, I'm not going to be particularly excited to watch the Gwinnett Stripers if <laughs> this thing drags on and all of a sudden all those guys are going to be missing because that thing's going to be pretty brutal without you know basically half the rotation
1: and you know <laughs> a, a third of their lineup. Yeah, I will let you uh talk about that in more detail. I wrote to Atlanta and also in written form, but I wanted to at least throw that out there because a you're, a, you're here. And also it, it's a real thing, particularly with guys that uh, you would, that are probably the most famous. So we of the most famous, famous guys that people actually know, like Pache and waters in particular are the guys that people know, and they won't be able to play baseball. And until this gets resolved anywhere, even if they would have been in the minors start of the season, they can't go to the minors now because they're on the man. That's, that's an important detail that people have to understand because you know, I don't think I don't think Waters is going to start the season on the team in in Atlanta, but it, it doesn't matter as long as he's on the forty man. He cannot play in the minors, so yep. uh, we could talk about Kyle McDaniel's rankings too. But I'll I'll, say, I'll let you say that for road to Atlanta. I was I was kind of surprised by that. Just for the record,
0: uh, a little low, but they're probably a bottom third team. So you know, I was going to ask you because like, like <laughs> you know
1: I'll let you guys do the like, deep dive, but like it was kind of a reminder to me as someone who does not follow the minor leagues very well. Just for the record, McDaniel had the Braves number twenty seven in his org prospect rankings and uh it's been a long time eric since the braves were that low prospect rankings uh i'm not like that surprised because obviously they just won the world series and you know they're not as deep as they used to be etc and guys have come up and graduated but that was still like whoa 27 is low
0: (laughs) yeah that it it felt a bit low but i mean if you're if you're low you're like particularly low on Pache and waters especially a lot of those lists like they're driven by position player talent and like Shay Langilleers and Michael Harris can only get you so far, especially especially if you're also lower on those guys. You know what I mean? Like I can I can see I can see a justification for putting them that low. I don't think they are that low, but they're probably bottom third right now. And you know, after that, it kind of depends on how these international guys develop, and you know, it just takes some time and see how this next let's see how this draft goes. To I mean, the Braves have just drafted pretty pitcher heavy, and that's not something that's uh, necessarily loved by you know team organizational
1: prospect rankings, unless you have like guys who are throwing 103. Yeah. Who are already there and seen as uh, high-end guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not exact science for sure, but I want to at least throw it out there. And uh, I do love Kylie
0: though. Oh no, he's great. And that's the thing.
1: I'm not, I am not picking on Kylie Daniel, who is good at his job. Uh, I just thought it was notable and more so as a reminder to casual minor league observers like myself, that this is not the, uh, the days where the Braves were the top fives of those prospect rankings. They've, uh, they've fallen off a little bit.
0: the players that they were that were that made them top five are now playing in the major leagues, and that, that's and an they, important thing to point they, out. And also, and, they the and they, just thought, they just brought they just <laughs> brought down a big home trophy,
1: so I, yeah, I, they're just everything's fine. No, <laughs> no, 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 no one stress. should care about this necessarily. I just thought no. it was a, a good reminder, anyway. Okay, before we get to what our uh, main agenda item is on this podcast, which is if you're listening to this, you probably already saw is the uh, breakdown of the infield and how things are looking for the Braves around the infield right now. It worked from our sponsors on the podcast. We'll be right back with uh, all of that talk about catcher, first base, middle infield, etc. Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today to learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All right, Eric, let us dive into the infield. And if if you miss these podcasts, we we did one on the bullpen. We did one on the outfield, et cetera. They're on the feed. It's kind of a hybrid review slash preview because the season is obviously in limbo, but it's a good time to talk about the guys who are still on the roster and positions. Um, one of the spots that's pretty well set up is catcher um, where they have Travis Darno and Manny Pina. Um, that's going to be their one, two punch unless something happens with injury. Uh, Darno was not fantastic last season, um, but is a career solid, you know, starter level player. Uh, also a good defender. You have Pina is a little bit older. He'll be 35 pretty soon, but also a guy who is, I would say a high end backup to low end starter kind of type. And then even beyond that, they have the two uh, prospects in Langoliers and Contreras. If if things get weird, Contreras on the 40-man roster. Shea is not. Um, But I guess the number one question for me, and I'll I'll ask it to you, is what do you expect from Darno? Because, you know, 2020, he was unbelievably good to the point where we kind of knew it was not going to sustain. But then last year, he really kind of cratered, then got hurt and wasn't fantastic. So where's your head at with Darno right now?
0: Well, I mean, for starters, I think I don't feel like the Braves have the most confidence in him. Uh, because you don't sign like a guy like Pina, who's like, if you're going to talk about a backup catcher, that's he's a, a relatively like high level uh, catcher, I guess, to have in that position. Um, yeah, it's
1: kind of it's kind of like how they used to have two starting level quality guys when they had like f- what, the, what the flowers the, was around. The,
0: yeah, the flowers Suzuki era. Yeah, 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 it's
1: kind of, it's kind of like that. I mean, and the Braves have had good catching for a long time now, but this is not your like. To your point, this is not like treating Darno as if he's going to start. Seventy-five percent of the time, like you don't bring in Pina if you are playing to play Darno, hundred and twenty games. That's not going to happen. So we'll
0: see. Yeah, and, I mean, and he in the regular season he wasn't good. Darno had his moments in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, at least offensively. Uh, at least offensively, and he made one throw to first base, which was important. Uh, the rest of his throws, <laughs> don't look at those. But um, you know, I he got he, the the injury he sustained was was real. Father Time is undefeated. He is not, did not look nearly as good in 2020 as he looked in 2021 or in 2021 as opposed to 2020. So I I think that the Braves are hedging a little bit because they have Contreras in the 40 man roster who they may not be quite sure about. Uh, He's just very young and I'm, I'm pretty big on catchers. Just mean the, the number of guys who are like standout rookie catchers who are amazing at everything that they do is very, very small. And, you know, giving him some time to continue to work on, you know, just, you know, bl- blocking pitches, getting used to having that one knee in the dirt, calling games with this particular pitching staff, understanding what his role is on the team, and also being able to just kind of work out things at the plate. And then you also have a guy in Shea Langliers who's going to be right there, too, because they have those two guys, one of which is a 40-man guy that, you know, you're not upset if William Contreras is your backup catcher, but maybe you want to give him more time at the at the – at the minor league level at the plate before you kind of put him in any sort of role. But when you have those two quality guys really close to the major leagues and you add Pena, doesn't make me think that the Braves are like Travis Darno is going to be a guy that we're going to be able to start a whole bunch. I think they really like him on the roster as they should. I think the pitching staff loves him. I think he does a good job kind of managing like kind of that, that leadership role in terms of the battery, but I'm not certain that he's going to be able to produce on either side of the ball reliably i mean like the, the, his throws were he was a liability in terms of the running game and a lot of times he was a liability at the plate so at some point you have to wonder you know if he's just a coach and if that's the case maybe he doesn't play a play a whole lot especially if he doesn't produce early on in the season because there's just they, the Braves have the one place in the infield they have a lot of options in terms of their youth is catcher so yeah. At that, Definitely at that, you know, so the, the Braves are hedging a little bit and having a guy like Pena who can be a steady, you know, veteran presence, you can put him in there. And let's say Darno just can't, maybe he's just done. It could happen. Uh, you wouldn't be necessarily upset to have like a Pena Contreras battery, you know? Between. No, not
1: at all. I, I think that, you know, fan graphs, just their depth chart projections have the Braves number 14 in baseball at catcher coming into the season. Um, that seems reasonable to me. I'd probably even be a little bit higher given, uh, just the presence of two quality options, because as we say uh, ad nauseum on this podcast, catcher is really, really bad across baseball, particularly backup catchers. Teams, teams that have number ones um obviously are in good shape, but I would say uh, looking at the list that I have in front of me right now of catcher catchers in the league, uh, I would imagine Manny Pina is the best quote-unquote backup catcher in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, he's on the older side, but I don't think anybody else has a better number two guy than Manny Pena in terms of right now today than the Braves do. Um,
0: and the Bra- and the Braves are really good about stitching stitching together for the most part. Oh, they've uh, been great at it for a long la, time. La, 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 last year was a bit of anomaly. We saw some. It got uh, ugly,
1: but uh, the, yeah, well, and the, that's the, the thing. The,
0: the, we, we missed the Travis, the Jeff Mathis era. That's for sure.
1: Well, and that's the thing about like they they invested not huge money but real money in Darno. And they saw what happened when he got hurt last year. And I think maybe yeah. that's that, that's what pushes you into signing a guy like Manny Pina, who is probably too good for the role, to be honest with you. But at the same time, he is older and that went, And because of that, he's probably cool with not playing a ton. And coming into the year, I would probably project like a 60-40 split between these two guys in terms of playing time. And that's before you get into Contreras if you wanted to go there, or if you know if something crazy happens, you go to Langoliers. They have good depth. And they don't have a great number one catcher on paper, but we also saw Darno be awesome just a year and a half ago. So it's possible that he's just great again. We'll see. Maybe. Yeah, uh, I'm okay the, with catching. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The yeah, the, in, the injury was real to Darno, and he's just getting older. So there's. Yeah, uh, I, know, it's fine. I
1: I, I I I love the Braves hedging. It's, it's it was a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Totally, it's a good it's a good value as well. Um, <laughs> this is very different uh but we'll go to first base now which is we all, we all know the story here we're yes. not gonna we're not gonna do the entire yes. thing i promise you this on this podcast i'm not gonna do the entire freeman thing again he's still a free agent we talked about uh him not ad nauseum with me and scott two weeks ago with matt olsen all that stuff um let's just say that he is projected as like a four or five win player by all the systems um he's gonna be really good again long term you can get into that whole discussion about his contract length but at least for next season Freddie Freeman is awesome. He's still awesome right now. And at the moment, they just have absolutely nothing at first base on the roster to the point where Fangraphs has the Braves at this moment number 29 in baseball out of 30 at first base. Uh Eric. Who who's below them that the, the team pirates? That doesn't actually, the oh, Pirates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's and okay, here, yeah, here are the here are the players that are projected to get first base uh plate appearances by Fangraphs. and this is not me making fun of Fangraphs. This is just because they don't have anybody to put there. Uh Orlando Garcia. Yep. Has about yep. half of the plate appearances at first base for the Braves in this projection. Uh, John Nagowski is number two on the okay, list. Okay. okay, okay. So, uh, because he's a first baseman, they don't have a first baseman, he's he's a first baseman. Yep, so, yep, yep. R- uh, roll five, rule five pickup. Yep, yes, there you appearance. go. Yep, yep, yep. yep uh, okay. Travis Darno, who, yeah, uh, that's he's number three on the list.
0: I uh, just go ahead and I'm, I'm going to just Going ahead and just say that I will be cackling,
1: <laughs> laughing
0: if Travis Darno has a single plate appearance as a first baseman. It would, be, it, would it would definitely
1: require some creativity. And then uh, number four on this list, with 42 plate appearances projected, is Adam Duvall. So uh, that tells you how bad it is at first base. We all know this. Uh, the only way on the roster right now that the Braves could have a decent first first base situation is if they moved Austin Riley to first base, yep. and if they did that they'd have a gaping hole at third base. <laughs> so there's somebody to fix anything. Um, we know the deal here. Uh, I have nothing else to add. Freddie Freeman is very important to this team. If they don't sign him, they have to figure out a to play at first base because there, there are no internal options. I'm not, I mean, I'm not being funny here. There is nothing internally that they could do at first base.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> first base is generally, unless you kind of run into a guy, either you sign him in first free agency or you have a big bat that like just plays, like can't play the outfield. Or, like, you know, grows out of third base or something. Like, that's generally how first base – you don't generally draft them. Well, and there's also just
1: no – like, you and, know and this by the better way, than Freddie I do. Fre- Go ahead.
0: Well, I'm about to say, also, there's the bigger problem that Freddie Freeman is literally the best first baseman in baseball, right? So, yes. I mean, replacing him is just a tall order, period. Uh, even, even without – like, what internal option, what, you have a, a prospect at AAA that you're going to replace Freddie Freeman with – just, well, that's they what I was going to say.
1: Honestly, it's like they're, they're, even if, you know, practically speaking, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense, but you know, sometimes a guy just blows up the minors and becomes a real prospect. The Braves definitively, unless, unless I'm wrong here, you, you can correct me. The Braves do not have a first, do, don't have a major league ready first baseman in the minors.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> so
1: uh, no that guy's not coming. Even, uh-huh. even if that was that uh, regardless, that wouldn't be a great option. Let's be clear about that. But even if they had a guy who was 22 years old and a big time prospect and uh, you wouldn't want to roll with that guy necessarily anyway. And that guy doesn't exist. So um, yeah, we can leave it there, but first base is a wasteland. We'll address it when we need to, but Freddie is the only guy uh, that I can see that will fill that role. Um, If they don't have Freddie, they can go down the list, whether it be Matt Olson, Anthony Rizzo, something else uh, who knows, but that's all I got, Eric first base is what it is. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, and I that I am I will go ahead and assure our listeners is that there will be a first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. I imagine you know, I'm still kind of leaning towards Freddie coming back, but me too. I, 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 a high profile bat will be a first baseman for the Atlanta Braves. I feel reasonably confident about that. Like, they,
1: gotta do, they gotta do something, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. From there, we get to a much more stable and awesome situation, and that is second base where Ozzy Albies is a star level player. He'll be 25 this season. Love, my, love him. Uh, it's kind of funny because it felt like in the moment, to some people anyway, that it was kind of a disappointment for Ozzie to some level last year. But he was a four-win player <laughs> who was a 107 number RC+. He was awesome uh, yet again last year. Uh, both Zips and Steamer have him as the number one second baseman in baseball um, for this coming season. Um, in terms of the depth chart, the Braves are seen as number three in baseball, but that's because of his backup, not because of him. Um, he is obviously an elite player at second base. I don't have much else to add. You know, Ozzy is kind of what he, I don't think there's ever going to be a scenario where I tell you that Oz is going to be like an A plus hitter, but he's so good at everything else that just having the power that he does and the speed that he does, he's a four or five win player. And I think if he all, if he puts it together for one full season, he could be a seven one player and it wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't project that, but I said it before like, he's a star. And that's uh, given his age, and obviously the contract is what it is, too. But you can't possibly be in a better situation than the Braves are at second base, basically.
0: Uh, I mean, if only he could play shortstop, Brad.
1: You know what he, I mean? You know uh, what by the way, by the way, <laughs> by the way, he can, sir. He can. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second because is a free agent. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. He's a free agent. <laughs> the, the season. The
0: dream lives. The dream the lives. Dream lives. Uh, so uh, the short answer is obviously Ozzie's great. The one thing that is pretty maddening about him is that he's really a streaky hitter. Uh, like there'll be a month and he you cannot get him out. He can't walk. Either. And, and yeah, he doesn't walk. He doesn't. He was. He's gotten a little better. But I mean, not I a guess a little bit. Yeah. 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 But there here's was, the there was thing. Th- like, like
1: two years. If you if you want if you're nitpick, Ozzy, you would say the last two seasons. And granted, twenty twenty, he was hurt for half the season. Um, but his OBP is like 308 in the last yeah, no. like 800 yeah, so, plate appearances. No, no. That's not what yes. you want for someone like him no. um, with with his speed. But his power is. I mean, I can't believe still that he has this much power. I mean, it still blows me away to this day. The, but he he had 30 home runs. Last Small year. strong boy. He had Small, 30 home runs. Boy. Thirty home runs last season. He also had 40 doubles. People people for people sleep on Ozzy sometimes.
0: Now he again he'll of those 30 home runs like 15 of them will come in like. A five week span. Oh yeah, he's very hot. No question. But but when he's hot, he just carries an offense. So uh, I, I love Ozzy for a second baseman. You can't really ask for a whole lot more. If we're just being honest about it, he's great. I mean, it's you know just in terms of like what that profile is along baseball around baseball. There's the number of guys who have been better than him. Like what is Altuve?
1: Yeah, I mean there there are guys that are projected in the same range as him, like Marcus Simeon, if he's played second base yeah, for Texas. I, I, yeah, um, I do like you, Altuve is really good. Uh, obviously, a former MVP, but that's kind of it. Like, you can get into like maybe like Catel Marte is maybe on that level, something close. But even if you were trying to be as pessimistic as possible about Ozzy, he'd be you could say he's a top five second baseman in the league. I think he's number one, to be honest. Um, yeah, he's very,
0: very, very good, does a lot of things well. His upside, I mean, if he put together, I mean, like, like he, he wasn't a particularly great hitter last year, and he still put together four, like, he could put together like an insane year just yeah. by being like
1: imagine Ozzy with a 120 WRC plus which by the way isn't like a crazy WRC well 20, plus. 2019 in 2019 he had a 116 WRC plus that was his best year of his career uh, overall at the plate um and he was worth you know upwards of five wins I, I think he honestly could have a six or seven win season in him at some point and yep. given his age it could be this coming year again i would not project that but essentially every projection system that you can find from steamer to zips or whatever you want to look at has him as a four to five win player. that's what he is um does could, could he have a bad year? Sure he could but again last year was kind of a mild disappointment for some for some of the season and then you then he had a couple hot streaks and you look up at the end of the season it's 107 WSC plus and 4.2 for the rest four like he's just really good <laughs> He's up yep. he, he's,
0: he's just good. He is just yep. very, very
1: good. Um, all right. That's enough of that. By the way, uh, we'll sort of look these guys in together because it's middle, it's middle infield. We'll say, but shortstop is also very clear, uh, not a star, but Dan's Swanson will be 28 this season. And like I said before, he'll be a free agent after the season, which is very, very interesting, but he did have the best season of his career last season, uh, pretty clearly uh, in terms of like the overall impact, the power, et cetera. Um, he was actually better in 2020 in terms of a small sample size, but Overall, last year he still ended up with about a 98 WRC plus, which is fine. But he had 27 home runs, but he followed it up with a 311 on base. It was actually kind of, kind of similar to Ozzy's line in some respects, but even worse. Uh, and then and then defensively, he's solid to good. He's not elite, but he's a good, he's a good defender. And essentially, by everything that, that I look at both individually and the team projections, He's about as average as it could possibly be for a starting shortstop, and that's that's not a knock on him. But in terms of like full time starter at shortstop, he's right in the middle of the pack. That's just what he is, right? At least right now. I mean, and and by the way, I mentioned it. He'll be twenty eight. He's not like super young anymore.
0: Brad, I have a question for you. uh Oh. Would you extend Dance B Swanson? And if so, what is the maximum extension you give him? Well, I was
1: gonna say. I mean, my my, my answer number to the question. The first question is how much for how much money? Because I think that the Braves can be totally fine with Daisy Swanson as their shortstop. They also won the world series last year with him as their shortstop. But I think with all of what I just said, he is a extremely adequate starting shortstop who is fairly durable. He plays a lot. He plays well. Um, he's uninspiring in some respects, but he's pretty good now. Extension wise, I wouldn't want to go super long with him just because of his age. He's not super young, not super old, but I don't know. Given what he's like, his actual value is in terms of what he's produced recently. I'm looking right now to see what the Fangraphs value was on him last season. Uh, The the,
0: the number, the number I was going to, I'd give you an over under on, or like, like how bad it would be if you need
1: if to sign him back. You need to give him four years and sixty million. I think I would do that. I wouldn't think be. I wouldn't be extremely excited about doing that. But I think if it came down to it, I would probably do that. Um, so last year, Fangraphs, uh, and this is not exact by any means, but this is their uh, estimate of WAR and then dollars earned, etc. They have them as being worth twenty five point four million last year, and that might. That's obviously. I think it's a little high, to be honest with you, but. Um, The fact that he was able to return that, which is, you know, he was a free one player last year, which is exactly a pretty valuable player. He was able to do that while being only average at the plate. And that gives you some safety. Now, there's not a whole lot of plus value to a deal like that. Four for 60 for for Swanson. But I think that your downside is relatively low as well, because, you know, the last three, we'll, we'll call it three seasons. He has been a league average shortstop. Even four years ago, 2018, he had a bad year at the plate and still was worth almost two wins in 136 games. Like, and that was, a, that was a bad outcome for him. So I, I think that if the Braves gave him that deal, people would be very upset that are not NASB not, not fans. But I think that in terms of the real money that gets thrown around in baseball these days, you're basically locking up his prime at that point through the age of like 32. That is fine. Is that, is that too much for you? Is that why you I, I, what not what
0: there? I th- I think it's fine. I think it's uninspiring, especially Agreed. since <laughs> as, well, especially since shortstop typically is a premium offensive position.
1: And the thing, and he's he and is, he's he's okay. He's not bad. He's not good either. And we've seen him be real bad. Well, yeah, he has bad stretches too. He's kind of like Ozzy, but worse in almost every yeah, way. Yeah, yes. Um, he's Aussie He's Ozzy light, except bigger. Yeah, and you know, in the short season of 2020, he had a 115 WRC plus, and like, and played every game. Like, he was really, really good two years ago. Like, he was a two win player in 60 games. That means you're on pace to be like a four and a half, five win player over that sample size. He's uh, I'm, not I'm, that I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say there's
0: no chance he would have played 160. Huge games I I, I agree, <laughs> but but he played 160 last year. Like he's been uh, the last the, last the last the last two seasons he's, he's missed two games. He's, uh somehow stayed healthy somehow didn't bruise his foot and didn't miss a month and a half but yet. but even
1: but even then like okay I understand even like anecdotally I'm kind of with you it feels like he's missed more time than he has but dating back to when he became the guy in 2017 this is his games played 144 136 127 in 2019 which is not great but that's still like not disastrous you missed 35 games uh 2020 you played 60 games that's the, that was the whole season and then last year 160 so like yeah he's been yeah, pretty durable fair. man like no, it's, that's fair I'm kind of with you on this. Like I'm surprised it's that high, but it, it the numbers are the numbers. Like he's been out there. Um so yeah, I think I'd be interested. To, I'd be interested to know if he would take that. To be honest, if I was his agent, I would definitely take that deal. I don't know if it's been offered. I don't know if it will be offered. I don't know if the Braves want to extend him. That's all kind of mysterious to me. He's just he's he's below that level of a guy that like they definitely would want to keep. Like we'll get to Austin Riley in a second. I can be pretty confident after last season, the Braves would like to keep Austin Riley for a long time. Yep, um, yep. Dan, Dansby, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I think they probably view him the same way we do. It's like, all right, he's a pretty good starter. He's fine, but he's not one of their best five players. So, and generally, shortstop is one of your best five. Well, yeah. yeah. And also, you know, I mean, goes back to what we're talking about to first base, not this bad, but they don't have any internal options either. So it's not like not uh, yet, not yet. Anyway, aside from the Aussie joke that I obviously will make, um, if he were to leave, if he were to leave at the end of the season, they don't have a guy who is likely to be ready in twenty twenty three to take over at shortstop in the in the organization. So it's different if they had some like hot prospect coming up behind him that was like, like let's say Michael Harris was a shortstop. Like yeah, then it might be it might be real might might be real interesting at that point, but it's not, not.
0: Yeah, there's some variables. I mean, like if Braden Shubate like goes wild or if Von Grissom goes wild, then like...
1: Maybe but that's not like position. likely to happen. Yeah, no, no, it is not likely. It's plausible, but this is not a situation where they have a top 100 guy in baseball that's going to be ready probably next year. So, I mean, this is a different question for another day that we could probably save for another time, but there's definitely a, like a yes, no, do you think he'll be on the team in 2023 question that I don't have the answer uh, to. Yeah, <laughs> well, I I feel like we might have...
0: This was the short scla- shortstop class to try to do something fun if you were going to do it.
1: You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, one of the, one of the like, funny, uh, like, talk-around kind of funny joke, more than anything else kind of things, is if Freddie were to leave, just throwing the entire bag at, at, at Carlos Correa and then Trey and Dansby was, like, I mean, one of those, like, pie-in-the-sky ideas. And I, don't, I don't think it's crazy that it would happen like No, that, I mean,
0: yeah, I, I don't know if the, the – They'd throw that kind of money at Correa. Well, that's the I mean, thing. Like, yeah, yeah. If, especially if you're not willing to play Freddie, I don't know why you'd want to pay Correa. But uh, that's a that's a that's a, that's a separate thing. Uh, but then that said, if I would love to see making Carlos Correa making throws to first, whoever would playing there because uh, that dude has that's like my favorite part of his game is that cannon of his arm he has. But yeah uh, uh like that, that that double play he turned in the, the World Series I still can't believe he put that much on that throw but uh yeah uh so the short answer is that I am very underwhelmed by Swanson, but I'm kind of with you is that there you better have a plan if you're getting rid of him because yeah. it's not like you know he he is reasonable but totally. i don't we'll, we'll know more i think about what an extension would probably require based on his what the arbitration situation with him? How that goes? Definitely. If, if, if there's a big gap, if there's a big gap in the asks, where like he wants a whole bunch of money and the Braves don't want to give him a whole bunch, then that, that might just probably mean that they're going to move on because he probably overvalues himself a bit.
1: Well, yes, sense. and I, and I think also even if you don't believe that he was worth "quote unquote" twenty five million dollars last year, the three previous seasons to that he was in the twelve to fourteen range. And one yeah, of those was a had, short season. Like he's a, he, he's like, a very like, useful player, and like I'll tell you this right now: if he has a comparable season in 2022 to what he's had the last few years, he's going to get an eight-figure per year contract from somebody. Oh God! I mean, that's ten million dollars. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's not. No, that's not no. He's going to get more. I, I think he'll get more than that from somebody. To be honest, but I think at a minimum, he is going to sign for ten plus million dollars annually. If he has a comparable season to last year,
0: well,
1: I'm I, very I, confident.
0: I'm not, I, I, I had trouble counting digits for a second there. Yeah, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, yeah, I'm, so I'm not cool. saying he's gonna get hundred million dollars. Uh, like, yeah, but I was really like that's where my head went. I'm if like, he had, God, if he had a, that.
1: well, okay, I'll say this before we move on. If he has a season that he had in 2020 over a full season, he gets a hundred mm-hmm. million dollars. I th-
0: but I think he's gone if that's the case though I agree I Bradbury, but yeah.
1: that's <laughs> so this, that's more of a hypothetical but in terms of like just for this year that's coming up they can be they can there is some safety in Dansby he's projected by most systems as, like a two and a half win player that's a solid starter that's kind of what he is and uh there's some upside there there's also some downside there and um you know clearly they, they couldn't move him before the start of the season like there were some questions that we were getting before the lockout about like is he on the team this year and I think maybe the lockout in, improves the odds of that because they just haven't done anything so for so long, and it'd be tough to move him now. But we'll see. Uh, he's solid. We'll probably leave it there. Behind them, by the way, in middle infield, it's Orlando Arcia is the only guy they have brought back so far. You know, the 27 year old utility guy, making very little money, but he's on a major league contract, two year deal, um, a career 70 WRC plus, and it was 48 with the Braves last season in a small sample size. He cannot hit. And I've said this for a long, long time. Um, he was a former top prospect. I get that. He has never hit at any level. And uh, he's just a guy. He's, he's He gives them depth. He can play third. He can play shortstop. He can play second base. You need a guy like that. He's just not terribly inspiring. So, where if you get an injury to Dansby or Dazzy for a month, you are not overwhelmed with depth.
0: Well, yeah. And, you know, bench depths in general is going to be kind of an interesting roster decision because the one thing that we do seem to know from the Cba negotiations is that the universal Dh is coming back so you don't have to necessarily have guys who are like particularly good pinch hitters on your roster it's just uh, interesting so stuff. Look, yeah yeah just, just 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 like have your backup catcher a backup outfielder in case someone gets hurt a backup utility guy which uh, is r- which is probably ourCA <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well uh, and Johan Camargo is still around too. Stop. stop. Nope,
1: nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Nope.
0: I can't allow it. Nope. I, absolutely I, not. I per, I personally do not want either of them back because I am not obviously not a fan of Johan Camargo. I don't think these Absolutely not, back. Eric. And, nope. I won't and, even do it. I'm on I, a podcast.
1: We'll do it. We'll allow and,
0: it. And and I and I don't <laughs> want Arcia back because he's already back. If you think that they if you think him. that Brad if you think that Brad and I don't like Yo, I'm Camargo, you should listen to Chris Willis talk about Orlando Arcia because if his name comes up, he just gets tilted. Uh, he's right there in the same camp with Lane Adams. Uh, basically, if Braves Twitter likes likes him as like a a
1: a, a bench call up, then Chris hates him. Wait, so, didn't hold uh, on? Didn't didn't Camargo sign with the Phillies? I think he did. That, that, yeah, that happened. He well, signed with the well, Phillies. Did he? Camargo signed with the Camargo? Phillies in December.
0: Yeah, that happened. See, I thought they I thought they tendered him a contract. I might I might miss that. Okay, never mind. Uh, so you're you're you're
1: my that's, outrage is correct yeah i looked it up okay. yeah he's out he's out the phillies like, like the day before the lockout so we're good we're safe oh, okay. okay we're safe on that i'm good on, I'm, I'm good on listen it's not it's not personal johan you're just not very good at baseball um no, true true but yeah i'm i'm on chris's side about arcia i think arcia is bad and i was getting getting yeah. yep. filleted for it in the playoffs that like some some people just seem to like him more than i do which i understand but like not to rehash old wounds but he was like their number one pitch hitter for a while in the playoffs for some reason. I don't know why that happened, um, but he's just never hit everywhere. I mean, I'm not, it's not just me editorializing. He's never hit. <laughs> he just doesn't nope, hit where. He ha- uh, nope, he so he's a fine defender. He can, there, there's value in that. And honestly, even if he's your last guy on the bench, it's totally fine. But uh, they, to your point, by the way, you know, even if they sign Freddie, they're going to have to sign another guy or two on the bench in terms of guys who can play infield spots. Um, You want to have more than one on the roster. Usually they can play an infield spot. Yeah, to your point yeah. earlier, the DH does cover up some of that stuff, but I will be surprised if they don't sign somebody else that can play that can play the infield before the uh, calendar turns, but alas. Okay, we'll end, we'll end on a higher note. I did it on purpose because Austin Riley was awesome last season. Uh, He was a top three offensive player, in the league at third base last season by the numbers uh, alongside uh, Jose Ramirez and Rafael Devers. He was in that in that crew. He was top five in home runs, top three in WRC+, top three in slugging, top five in war. Um, defensively, it was all over the place in terms of the metrics. So that's been uh, long discussed. But Riley was awesome last season. And even with some projected, uh, let's say, leveling off by the systems, he's still – the Braves are still number 10 in baseball in the fangrass projections at third base – Riley's still in the top 10 by zips and the top 12 by steamer. So people, I know Braves fans will be higher on him than those projections are, but at a minimum, he's now established himself as an above average player at third base. I, I am a little bit skeptical that he will fully repeat last season, but he could, I mean, we've seen him do it now. So it's certainly on the table and this is a guy who'll be 25 years old in April. He should be right. He's basically be entering his prime right now. So uh, you can't really argue with, with Wade last year. I've, I know I've been always a little bit lower on him than some, but even I would acknowledge he was awesome last year and he changed, he changed my mind a lot. Like now I'm at the point where I'm not worried at all about him anymore, which is not like a hot take. But a year ago, I was very worried about him being the only guy at third base. I am no longer worried. Well,
0: yeah, and he did. I mean, he did put together that year last year. I mean, keep in mind he was like dreadful to start. Awful start. To start yeah. A, yeah, awful start. So, um, I don't think he's going to hit 300. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Like that—that—that that, that, is—that's a big ask of Austin Riley. But I will say that the improvements that he made at the plate were real, and he's just—he's so strong that I wouldn't be surprised that he would hit like like over 40 home runs next year. Like I could see that happening just because he has that kind of power.
1: Oh yeah, um, he definitely and, could. And, that.
0: and that, I—I could—I could see that trade off where like he doesn't hit as well, which again could very well happen uh if if austin riley's a perennial 300 hitter yeah and then and then ozzy albis is like you know like the swing for the fences guy that can't you know hit above 260
1: then it is very funny things have gone awry
0: in a hurry but um you know I, i don't think he's gonna hit 300 every year but i he's really i mean the one thing i've i've been consistently have said about Austin is that he is relentless about improving and that every level that he was in the minor leagues, he continued to improve year over year. He had to make adjustments to do it and he would make those adjustments. I think he's going to be very, very good. Uh, I would not be shocked if he was a top five, uh, third baseman in baseball next year, uh, as well. I do not know exactly where he would fit in that because it's, it's so hard to predict that sort of stuff, but you know, I think he's very, very good. Uh, I, I do think that also he's going to continue to improve defensively because one thing that is true, I think, is that and a lot of this is just kind of the eyeball test is that one thing is that now that the Braves were actually starting to shift a little bit towards like the, you know, the second half of last year is that his defensive numbers improved. He was in better positions to make better plays. And once those metrics continue to improve and that positioning continues to improve and he continues just to get better and better at the position, I think that some of his defensive numbers are going to improve as well, which might offset some, you know, like he, he, can't, he can't be one of the best hitters in baseball every year, but I think that maybe getting some more value defensively, uh, especially with as strong of an arm as he has, just getting better at the position will offset some of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm still... Lower on the defense than Braves fans that seem to think he's that think he's Brooks Robinson at third yeah. base yeah. now. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> just put Ozzy over there. But fine. I do agree. I do agree with what you said. Like I think he was better last season than some of the metrics paint him to be. The positioning stuff was helpful, and uh, once that got corrected, he his projections improved. His performance improved, improved defensively. I think he's generally fine on defense. I do not think he's a plus on defense, which I think if you listen to Braves broadcasts or follow Braves Twitter, you would think that he was this huge plus on defense at third base. I don't believe that. Maybe he, maybe he is eventually. Maybe he is this year. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't personally think that it's happened so far. But to your point about the batting average, which I don't really care about a whole lot, but it does matter. Like his batting was kind of out of line with his um, performance batted ball wise last year. And the projections kind of have that regressing. They have him in like the low 270s. And honestly, if he hits 275, that's a win in my mind because the power is real. Like, he doesn't have to hit 300. Um, He's been walking a decent amount, about 8% the last couple of years. That's not fantastic, but it's good enough. And if you select 500, you're a three and a half, four one player, and you're a good player. I agree with you. You could hit 40 home runs. It wouldn't surprise me a whole lot. Batted ball-wise, it's pretty good. Obviously, he hits the ball hard. Um, He still strikes out a lot and has, like, a pretty high whiff rate and a pretty high chase rate. So, Like play discipline is not going to be elite right now for Austin Riley, but the raw talent is what it is, and I think that he is good. Um, you know, you, you can sort of go like player for player, like who you rather have him than at, at the position. But at, for me, it's the list is not more than six or seven guys long that I'd rather have at their base than Riley, yeah,
0: year. pretty much. He's he's there's just not that many players, like you'd have to really I mean, convince me of,
1: yeah, like Jose Ramirez. Yeah. Bregman maybe in Houston. If he's got it going, I don't know what, I don't know what happened with him last year. Um, Rafael Devers is pretty good. Manny Machado, Aaron uh, Matt Chapman. And that's kind of it. Maybe, uh, maybe Rendon if he's back to himself, but it's not that long of a list. So Riley's really good. Uh, and I think I would take the under on last year's production for him, but not by a lot. I think he's going to be a four, win player again, which is uh, saying a lot because I was not always the biggest uh, flag waver of, of Austin Riley. I think he's uh, kind of proven himself to be pretty potent. So good spot there. Yeah, for the
0: if, if, if you're looking for the, the guy that the Braves should try to extend on one of those oh, certainly. friendly friendly deals again, it, it would be Austin awesome, Riley. That's, that's I, And that's I, I'm, that I'm
1: sure they will call if they haven't already and try to get him locked into a below market deal. Um, there's that constant give and take between like who your agent is, how much the team wants to give back. He's not a free agent until 2026. In terms of the uh Arb calendar. So they don't have to hurry at any way here. But um if you want to get him to one of those like not necessarily Aussie level deals, but one of those bargain kind of contracts, this would be the time to do it if you want to lock him in now. Um, but you know, if you're Austin Riley, do you want to do that? Maybe not. I don't know what his situation is, what his mindset is. Um, but if you're the Braves, you're at least thrilled with having at a minimum four or five more years of him locked in for a pretty good, a pretty good price. And he'll be 20, again, 25 in April. So prime is coming for Austin Riley. Um Eric, I guess in terms of like full thoughts here, everything rides on Freddie. So I'm not going to make you like talk about like what we're looking at here for the, for the, for the infield. But if they had Freddie, I think everyone agrees with this, but we'll just say it plainly. This is one of the best infields in baseball, full stop. If Freddie is on the team, that's not even controversial, I think. It's probably like one of the top two or three in the league, maybe even number one.
0: Yep. You have the best right side of the infield in baseball and Freddie and Ozzy. It's not yes. particularly close. Agreed. Uh Dansby is the low man on the totem pole, but yeah, again, the, the, the left average. side is
1: what swings things. Like it, if okay. you are if you're in love with Austin Riley and you think Dansby's like pretty good, then you're probably number one on the Braves for the for the full infield. If you are like so so on Riley and Dansby is below average for you, maybe not, but uh yeah the, yeah, the right side. I'm uh, with you. <laughs>
0: it's crazy. The, the, the strength of the team's lineup is the infield.
1: Well, Certainly. I will go that far. And Ronnie, of um, course, don't forget about Ronnie. Oh, Come on. What are do we doing? Do yeah, you?
0: I've missed. I've missed him so much, Brad. Ronnie exists. Um, yeah,
1: he's. Uh, that's true. And I, catcher. I, I, and catcher I, I, is what I, it is. Like you got. You got to kind of factor catcher in. And I think that clearly of the infield, this is, a, this is a, kind of a low bar. But catcher and shortstop are your question mark areas. But even then, those spots are like league average. Not bad. If the Braves have a bad spot right now on the offense, it's obviously corner outfield. They don't really have anybody there. Um, but if you, were, if you were to have first base um, being Freddie, when your question marks in the infield are league average spots right now, you're in pretty good shape. <laughs> okay. uh, when, the, when those are your bad spots, quote-unquote, you're fine.
0: It's as though uh, your team was good enough to win the World Series. See what I did there? I kind of
1: had to full – Without, without, without Ronald Acuna. So (laughs) somehow, yeah. Crazy. Uh, What a what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive indeed. So yeah, we we can uh we'll take a step back, obviously, when when things happen and when things change in the infield with regard to first base, when the lockout lifts, we will talk about all of that. If there are any other moves, we'll talk about those. But this sort of a good um overview of where the Braves are right now on the infield. And uh the short version is that they're in great shape. Eric, we have accomplished our goal for this podcast. Uh, anything else that you want to add, or uh, if not, please feel free to once again plug yourself, plug the site, plug Road to Atlanta, prospect coverage. And uh, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but baseball will be happening in the minor leagues. So uh, my apologies on this, but you have to like you have to work in the next couple of weeks because it's, it's going to be happening pretty soon on the minor league side. I get, I get some time off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Never any time off. For me. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I'll I'll let's see what Chris has to say about that in terms of uh, I know
0: what, what you, no, yeah, the podcast is going to be. Um,
1: listen, we we I, I promised people a couple of weeks ago the podcast will be uh, cranking back up. We've done that. Um, I, I'm just praying to the baseball gods that the lockout's not going to go until June because then I don't have enough stuff to talk about. But by the way, even if that happens, you, sir, will have baseball to cover. Yeah, I mean, and.
0: Look on this show, uh I mean Scott and I were already fighting on Twitter about the you know the Domino's pizza thing, right? So that's oh, at least an episode. So I mean, like we, we we can start generating some content, it's gonna be Scott and I content where things could go off the rails in a hurry. But um yeah, just make sure you go into the site. Uh not only do you want the up to date News on the lockout, you know, Chris and the entire crew is really good about jumping on news as soon as it pops up about what's going on in the negotiations. So make sure you look at talkingchop.com for that. We're also continuing to roll out free agent target profiles. We're we're trying to finish those up in terms of guys that could feasibly join the Braves in the the free agent der, free agency derby that is going to happen once this lockout ends. Uh, we've covered a lot of the big names. We're kind of getting some of the smaller, more questionable. Uh, names in terms of like you know filling out those spots but we're going to continue to roll those out so keep an eye on the site for that um, beyond that just keep you know if you want to continue to support the, the podcast and can, what we're doing it during what has been a, a pretty tough time content wise uh, going through and downloading old episodes of the podcast would be great make sure you yes. subscribe tell friends uh, all that stuff is super helpful for us because again we're whatever news comes up I guarantee will be put up on the site and we're continuing to be original content put out there as well but you know, kind of getting to the point where we're running out of things to talk about until the minor league season starts uh, I am I, I've joked on uh, on the road to Atlanta and with others that I'm a little bit concerned that Chris is gonna have us take the minor league recap and split it into four different articles for each team <laughs> but um, uh, so at the same time like you know we're going to start cranking out that minor league coverage uh, I've already kind of got some eyes and ears on the ground in terms of what's going on in minor league spring training once that's coming up in the next couple of weeks so we'll kind of get a sense of who's looking good and who's not but beyond that you know minor league seasons right around the corner make sure you listen to the show, the road to Atlanta, which I am the host of uh, generally speaking, Garrett Spain is the regular co-host, but Matt and Garav and Wayne, everyone all chips in on that one uh, to make that show work. Where we talk about the minor leagues each and every week. Uh, and once the season starts up, that's going to be a regular occurrence where we kind of recap the previous week and talk about whatever else is going on in minor league land. Uh, that's where you'll find our draft coverage uh, along with my semi-regular appearances here on this show. So if you want to support the, the, the site and support the podcast, the best thing you can do for right now, until we actually have some really kind of substantive things to talk about is to, you know, just go back and look at some of that evergreen content on the site and downloading it, old episodes of the podcast.
1: Both of those things help us out a whole lot. Uh, well said, Eric, thank you for the, uh, the, the publicizing for me. It's usually my, uh, my way to end the show, but you just did it for me. So thank you for that. Uh, I, um,
0: I just, I, I, I now want your five minute thoughts on uh, Jawan Howard and the uh, Michigan Wolverines.
1: You will not get them on this podcast. Um, it was all bad. No, nothing's good on Sunday and in, in the basketball world. In fact, you're recording this podcast in the middle of the all-star game, which I am watching and trying to dutifully pay attention to as someone who covers the NBA. Um, but I figured it was a good time to get this podcast out to people. And I appreciate your willingness. I know you were going to be dialed into the NBA all-star game if we weren't, if we weren't recording. So thank you for your. Oh, sacrifice. No, I'm, I'm
0: Glued to the TV, Brad.
1: Glued, glued to it. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Eric. We'll be doing this again very soon. I'm sure. Uh, Road to Atlanta, Daily Hammer, this podcast plenty of good stuff to come and you said it all already so uh, I'll, I'll just leave people with this follow eric on twitter at leprechaun follow me on twitter if you'd like to at bt roll follow the show and the site at talking chop and we'll see you next time